Well, today's topic, you going <laughs> to talk about it first? Well, I had to trick her into it just a little bit. You don't like talking about this. It kind of makes me a little nervous. Uh, not as nervous as boundaries and narcissists, but pretty close. You know, it's really funny because it does not make me nervous. And all of the years that I've known you, that would be the conversation that makes Casey nervous. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess listeners, viewers, we should probably tell you what that's about. Well, they know because I already posted it. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So everybody knew, except for Kelsey, apparently, what we're talking about yep. today. This is a topic that we've touched on a little bit, but whenever you hear the word intimacy, most people's mind goes to sex. Yeah. And that is a part of intimacy, but I don't think that's the foundation of intimacy. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. I didn't get nervous because when I think of intimacy, I think about sex. I got nervous because I know it's so much more than that. And it's so layered and so detailed. So what is today? Monday? Yeah. All right. So last week, I think it was Friday, I've been meeting to read more and I didn't, I haven't hardly read at all this summer compared to normal. And I picked up a book that I bought several months ago whenever I started therapy with this new therapist. And it's actually what we talked about Jessica Schroeder on oh, the yeah. podcast, the emotionally focused therapist that we had as a guest. She, this is kind of what she was trained in and it's called Hold Me Tight. So I picked up this book and I just sat down and was going through it and starting to read it. So you're probably going to hear some pages shuffle just a little bit, but it was such a good refresher of the things that that at once upon a time I knew, but also things that I really didn't know that just kind of, you know how when you hear something, even though you've heard it before, maybe you hear it again and things are different in your world. And so you you absorb that information differently. That's kind of how I felt. But one of the things, there's a few things that I just want to say, and then maybe that'll get your okay. wheels turning. So this this therapist talks about how in her work with couples, something just didn't feel right and that she would do all of this work with couples. And, you know, no matter how many lessons they learned and fighting fair and communication and all of these different things that you hear, she said that she always could sit back and perceive something that was supposed to be love, but something that just remained a mystery in relationships. Like, you couldn't really explain it. Couldn't really put your finger can't, on it. Yeah, can't put your finger on it. Yeah. And so that sparked her interest in researching more about couples and communication. It was like light bulbs went off for me because when we interviewed Jessica Schroeder, she talked about how, like, romantic relationships are so much like attachment that is formed early on in our yeah. lives. Yeah. 
and how those were so interconnected. And I mean, I get it and I, I get, you know, how you were raised and, and how you formed those bonds of attachment to your parental figure definitely has to impact your relationship. Yeah. You'd be crazy to think it doesn't. But there was all of this research that was done with like monkeys. Monkeys? <laughs> yeah. Long time ago. And all of this research that basically showed there is a direct correlation between our needs being met early in life. So in the way that we bond and attach to our parental figure compared to how we bond and relate to romantic relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And so there was one thing in the book that I highlighted that the author, Sue Johnson, said Love, it seemed, was all about non-negotiables. So these couples would come into sessions and they were like, that's a non-negotiable. You are not going to do this and I will not tolerate this. This is a boundary. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What she said was that you can't bargain for compassion mm. and you can't bargain for connection and that those are not intellectual responses. Those are emotional responses. And so when you find one person or both people in a relationship, a romantic relationship, and one feels like they're bargaining for connection, that's a problem. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, this brings a lot of thoughts to the surface. She also writes on the next page, she says, My colleague and I were discussing how so many therapists believe that healthy love relationships are just rational bargains. Mm. Yeah, but I could I could see if you're like bargaining for attention, like, oh, or this is a non-negotiable, how triggering it is for the other person hearing it, right? This That might light up a whole conflict, everything. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't like to be talked to like that. Like, I need this and I need it now. And this is... Well, that's your delivery. Yeah. You know, obviously that, that delivery needs to soften. But even in the delivery, is that appropriate? I didn't read this book, so... Well, I guess maybe I don't understand what you're asking. I think what she's saying here is that we treat love as though it's something to bargain for rather Mm. than something to feel, you know? Okay, I feel it. I see what you're saying. So it's like almost taking away that need for a desired outcome. It's like, look, I see you. I hear you. I love you. I love who you are, what you stand for, your heart, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, I love you. You know what I mean? It's not like I love you, bud, or I need you to do this so that I can love you more. It's really just about focusing on that emotion. To love first. Feel the love. Well, I'm not sure that that's what this whole book is about. I'm just saying those were a few things that were really interesting that came up. And so... They said, like, there's this conversation. I don't really want to have to read it, but I'll read this couple of sentences. And so basically this Sue Johnson and her colleague were going back and forth. Like, what is love? Mm -hmm. Is, Is love a feeling? Is love a thought? Is love a whatever? So she says, okay, my colleague challenge. So if love relationships aren't bargains, what are they? Then I heard myself say in a casual voice, oh, they're emotional bonds. They're the innate need for safe emotional connection. Mm, Emotional safety. Yeah. So just like John Bowlby talks about in attachment theory about moms and kids, 
It's the same thing that's going on with adults. And so I went on and I kept reading and I found this one other sentence that I was like, okay, this makes so much sense for safety and intimacy and all of that. Romantic love was all about attachment and emotional bonding. Think about that for a second. Romantic love, which is not something that is innate to us, like when we are born, Mm -hmm. was all about attachment and emotional bonding. It was all about our wired-in need to have someone to depend on, a loved one who can offer reliable emotional connection and comfort. And so there's also more in here about what people call codependency, which we've talked about. Yeah. And she really pushes back against some of that, saying, that's not codependency, that's love. That's that emotional, that innate, that wired in us to connect and depend on somebody right okay i mean it just gives you a totally different way of looking at a relationship which takes you back to that eft that emotionally focused therapy it's all about the feelings feel the feelings feel the feelings well when i think about intimacy i think about the little things and the things that you just listed off are like i think like a core foundation but what does it take to get to that what does it take? Yeah. Listen, okay, okay. I really, this is really not a book study, I promise. But whenever I was reading this, I wrote over here in the margin, which you've probably already looked at it and read it. The message of EFT is simple. Forget about learning how to argue better, analyzing your early childhood, making grand romantic gestures, or experimenting with new sexual positions. <laughs> Instead, Recognize and admit that you are emotionally attached and dependent on your partner in much the same way that a child is on a parent for nurturing, soothing, and protection. Adult attachments may be more reciprocal and less centered on physical contact, but the nature of the emotional bond is the same. EFT focuses on creating and strengthening this emotional bond between partners by identifying and transforming the key moments that foster an adult-loving relationship, which are being open, attuned, and responsive to one another. And so I wrote in the margin that maybe with, like, me personally, maybe that's why you felt like home, you know, to me in a certain way, because nobody had ever made me feel like there was this attunement between us and, like, this... Yeah, and when there's the highest level of intimacy in a relationship, you really have to be attuned with one another. I think all relationships go high and low, and intimacy could be at a 10% or at 100% throughout their relationship, but what increases that is always attunement, mm-hmm. like getting on the same page, having that conversation, depending on one another. Mm-hmm. I think what sometimes interrupts intimacy is something that I know that you and I have had to practice. (laughs) We've gotten a lot better at it. Like, you've gotten better when you just walked in the door and I was laying down and my neck has been killing me all day long. And so you walked in and you were like, are you upset? Are you grumpy? (laughs) I'm like, no, my neck just hurts. So being able to ask questions, like she walked in, she felt something coming from me, which wasn't norm. And she asked me about it and I told her. And so like there has to be enough safety for her to be like, hey, what's wrong? Because I know in a lot of relationships, you sense something's off, but you just ignore it. Or you just assume. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my next point. Yeah. You you sense something is off. And so you just pretend like it's not there and that it'll just go away. And then 
then there usually is something off and then it just messes up everything. But that was one. And then the second thing is you just assume that, you know, based on like whatever is going on in your head and whatever you've been doing that I like you've created this narrative that now I'm upset. and Mm -hmm. blah blah. Is that what you did? I didn't. I've gotten a lot better at asking for clarification and asking, like, being direct. Yeah. Like, hey, is something bothering you? Right. How many times have we had to have that conversation where I'll say, listen, if something is bothering me, I will tell you. Yeah. Y- you know, ask me if you are uneasy. I'm not going to. No, it's fine. You know, it's yeah. not one of the. No, I'm fine. Fine. <laughs> It's like trust, too. I have to trust that what your answer is, is the truth, right? Yeah. And And I know that because you're direct, but in a lot of situations that I've been in, I've asked for clarification and people say, it's fine. I'm fine. Mm -mm. But, you know. It's passive aggressive. Yeah. You can read between the lines. Well, and I think that impacts intimacy in, Mm -hmm. in a big way, because if intimacy is based off of trust and emotional safety, then... How can us conversing back and forth throughout the day, you know, that's either going to increase the intimacy or it's going to tear down. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's probably what people go home to each day is like, well, how were my interactions perceived through text during the day or. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Or people just assume that because they're home, the other person's upset, but they could be worried about something with work or. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think such a foundational component of intimacy is honesty, safety, and communication. Just being able to say, hey, like, I'm not mad at you, but my head really hurts right now. Or I am mad at you. And or, here's yeah, why. or you're a jerk head. And <laughs> here's why. Right. I think about, which in this all ties back into what you're saying, but when I thought intimacy, I was thinking vulnerability. Like, without that piece, I don't know how you could be intimate with somebody. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Well, I think vulnerability is showing pieces of ourselves to the core. And if we have, like, a bunch of walls up, and that's how we're living every day, I don't see how somebody could be intimate with the other person. Or the intimacy isn't authentic. Keep going. I'm trying to wrap my head around. Like when you're talking about vulnerability and are you talking about like sharing things? Are you talking about Mm. emotional things? All, all of it. I think mostly emotionally vulnerable, right? You have to have a safe space to share your emotions, but you have to be authentic, real, and honest about all of your emotions. I don't know where I'm going with this. I Well, let's just talk about sex. Sex. Intimacy and sex. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I mean, if you don't know where you're going with it, I think... That's just what I thought of when I thought about intimacy is vulnerability and authenticity. And then I also wrote down, like, the little things. I think the little things matter. Because, I mean, little things. So, they're not really little, but you like physical touch. With a visitor management system like the receptionist for iPad, your clients won't be left wondering if you know they've arrived. As the software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. The Receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your entire front lobby experience is stress-free. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash besties. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free. If I come home every single day 
and I don't like touch your hair, give you a hug. Not even like the sex part, but just in general, the little tiny things like patting your leg. You're going to feel like we are not on on the same wavelength and we're not being intimate. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's about the little things, like knowing somebody's love language, how to meet that. Also, like analyzing, are you meeting your partner's needs? Yeah. And so when you were saying that, I was also thinking about how when you are attuned in those ways. So like if you're patting on me or touching my hair or whatever, if you are someone that does that regularly and that's how we bond and that's how we are intimate with one of one another, if you just stopped doing that, you know? Or like if that didn't happen, because I think that that's probably something that people experience. Well, what do you recommend that somebody who experienced this? I think you have to communicate about it. It's it's all like a it's all a circle. Yeah. And so if you're not if your needs aren't being met and let's say your love language is physical touch and, you know, that creates that vulnerability between you and your partner and that's not happening, then I think the very first thing would be asking. Same way, and that's kind of what I was getting to with, like, physical intimacy. Gosh, I mean, there's a lot of things I could say about that. One, I think that most people, (laughs) most people who are honest with themselves, so let's start there. Okay, honest with themselves. I'm going to write this down. If you are truly being honest, think about all the conversations that we have had over the last four years with people. And if they are truly being honest, think about all of the people that we've talked to, clients included, who are not fulfilled physically, but they think they are. I don't think they think they are. I think they are convincing themselves that they are. That's what I'm saying. Yes. They're trying to make themselves think that it's fine. Because if it wasn't fine, then they would have this desire to change it. And honestly, some of the the people with the best physical connection with somebody are the most honest ones. Well, I don't like that. That's what I'm getting at. You I don't like that. I, I don't like how that feels. This this is interesting to me. Um, you stole my point. Well, that is my point. That's what I was leading up to, and you stole it. <laughs> the most honest people have the best sex lives. Yes, and when we were talking to, I mean, I know that I've been in a room with you and had these conversations with people. I mean, I won't go into detail, but, you know, someone will say, well, you know, my husband and I, we we are intimate, if they're trying to be politically correct, a couple times a month. And then they'll talk a little bit more about it, and you realize that they're not happy. And almost every single time in every situation, if Kelsey and I were in a room together, one of us would speak up and say, well, why don't you tell them? <laughs> like, why don't, why don't you just tell them? And for whatever reason, people don't. Well, I think it's because in the beginning, they're trying to please their partner in a way with just like validation, right? Like, that's amazing. Like, that's great. Or they just don't say anything at all. And then they get like three years in and it's like, well, I don't want to tell them because I've never told them. Mm -hmm. I've always just acted like it was fine or everything's fine. And I think that's where you get into, you get into a very hairy situation. Well, that's, I mean, that's what a lot of times we see in therapy is people who come in and you know, you, you kind of go down through the list of all of the, all of the things and the intimacy part is not there. And like what Kelsey said, if you start trying to connect dots, you're almost always going to connect dots. If someone is unhappy and unfulfilled 
in the in the physical way, most often there is a communication breach. And also, I think, too, people being honest with themselves, because I think people convince themselves very often that, oh, everything's fine. This is how it's supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera. The first step when I see clients is for them to be able to talk about it and understand their their truth of it and being honest with themselves about it. Well, in releasing, like, I think we also have to kind of keep ourselves in check with guilt and shame. You yeah. Know, it's always going to kind of go back to that in some capacity. But if we are ashamed of our bodies, if we are ashamed of what we think or what we want or whatever, of course, it's it's going to always feel conflicted. You know, it's it's never going to feel like I think it was made to feel. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like if well, someone is raised, like if you're raised in a in a religious group that believes a certain way or whatever. And carrying around that shame of like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be having sex with my husband. Yeah. People think that. Really? Like your clients? Clients. And I have I have friends who think that, you know, because they were brought in this religious upbringing and they were like, well, if you have sex before marriage, you're going to go to hell. Well, then they get married and they still have this shame and this guilt and this, I'm bad if I have sex. Mm. I remember one time sitting in my mom's garage (laughs) and I don't know why, but my grandma Lily was there. She hardly ever came over to my mom's. But anyway, she was there and, and she said something and I couldn't joke around with her like I couldn't. My other grandma, she was really serious and... (laughs) She said something to me that somehow was about sex. And and basically, without saying it outright, she told me that the way she was raised was that there was only one reason to have sex, and that was to have a child. Mm. I think she said something like, I had seven ki- or six kids, and I had sex seven times or something like that. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh, okay. But yeah, I think people still carry around some of that. And and it can go in a lot of different ways, too. You know, it could be the total opposite. Like the spouse expects something and the partner doesn't, it doesn't match. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, we're talking about like matching that up, like matching that conversation up with what your feelings are and what your emotions are. Also, I think... I'm not going to get into a whole topic about this, but a lot of people have had terrible experiences with sex. There's a large part of the population that has had sexual trauma and they hold that. Like I see people and they're like, yeah, we have like a pretty good sex life, but I can tell that I feel tense. Like I can tell that I feel tense in my body. And I don't think that we give enough credit to some of that, whether it be religious trauma, sexual trauma, whatever, that we carry when we are trying to be intimate. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. Well, I think we're kind of already there. I mean, in a lot of ways. But no, I see what you're saying. I think that as long as we are, and I say we, me, you, like everyone literally because. Aware and honest. Yeah. Because everyone experiences this. I think any time that you're not. Okay. I'm just going to have to use myself as an example. And I really, oh, don't gosh. Want to. I really don't want to, but I can't think of another way to do it. So. Okay, so everyone has, everyone's vulnerable about intimacy and safety, physical, emotional, all that. And everyone has insecurities. So I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful what you say. This is on Facebook. We can't edit this out. 
Yeah. And your kids might see it one day. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything bad. I mean, I, we can't we can't like filter it and then also say it's not anything to be ashamed of. You know okay. what I'm saying? Okay, let's go with it. Okay. All I was going to say was that we all have insecurities. Like I, I've lived my entire life, just like I would say almost all women, with physical insecurities about your body, which will probably impact intimacy with your partner. And so the more that you feel comfortable and safe with your partner, the less those insecurities are there. They're, they're not as present. They're not as forefront. And so having someone that you are, that you feel that safety with, like, hey, you know, I might not like my body, but it is what it is. And I love myself and you love me. So whatever. But I think a lot of people get hung up on that. And when they're made to feel shame or they're made to feel like their body is just for that purpose, mm. I think it brings about a whole new world of insecurities. But when you're with someone that you trust, like to the core, and you have that emotional safety and that intimacy and that trust. I think it goes back to all in all, depending on somebody. Are they who they say they are? And are they going to be there regardless? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Dependability. And from your book, it said depending on someone else. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is just so much that's taken for granted. And I'm just going to speak just from a women's perspective and on this point, but when you are in a relationship where you feel that sex is just about your body, at least for me, that shuts parts of me down. And I think you have to have a partner that you can trust with your body. And, you know, I hear so many stories, especially when I was seeing clients where one partner would have very risky, you know, interactions. And I remember one a long, long time ago and very risky interactions on one side and bringing that back into the relationship. And that woman could not trust him with her body anymore. It was not respected. Yeah. And so maybe a part of intimacy is also respect. Yeah. Well, and also when you were talking, I was thinking about I know so many people who don't have their needs met in other ways. And so they kind of shut down in the physical intimacy department because their emotional needs aren't being met. Mm -hmm. Men have a different accelerator than that's, women. I knew you were going to say that. You know, yeah, that's like my go-to. You know, women have to be eased into it. And not all women. Everyone has a different accelerator. But Well, can you just maybe clarify what that is for someone that's never well, heard that term in that way? Um, An accelerator is basically like... What gets you to sex? Mm. And some people have really like, I mean, I'm just going to be honest here. They can just take off their clothes and go to town. And <laughs> other people, they have to be like petted on or just have a conversation with or lay in bed and not expect sex. But sex is the outcome. All people have different needs and all people have different accelerators. So it's really understanding that and um, like what that is for your partner, what that is for your partner and what that is for yourself. Yeah. And I think people already know it. They just don't talk about it enough. Yeah. hundred percent. Like they know, Hey, when I come home, I want to be greeted and, and I want somebody to be excited to see me and not just sit on their phone or do laundry all day. I'm so or excited to see you. Yeah. Like that. There are some people out there who, who like that. And there's some relationships who probably that don't need that. But it's knowing your partner, knowing yourself, and knowing what you need. 
in order to get you to intimacy. Yes. But also physical intimacy, like knowing that enough to where that builds all day long so that when you do get home, you are excited to see that person. And, you know, like trying to do things throughout the day that's going to work toward that. Yeah. If that's something that you're seeking out in your relationship. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I need you to clarify. Okay. Like, for example, I don't know. Like, let's say that someone just wants attention from their partner. So, like, sending a text an hour before you get home, I'm, I can't wait to see you tonight or whatever. You yeah. Know, something yeah. like that. Like, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just. Right. Right. Like, okay. showing that they're, that they're thinking. Yeah. That they're thinking of them. Mm-hmm. Wheel still spinning? Yeah, I'm just thinking back on the accelerator and the... <laughs> See, I always want to call it the generator. No, it's the accelerator. Okay. But then also, too, there's brakes involved. You got the accelerator and you got the brake. And everyone's brake is different, so... Oh, the brake is like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, right. Okay. Like, if you piss them off right before you're starting, you're going to have sex, then that's the brake. Oh. Done. Got to start all the way over. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom of the hill. The bottom of the hill. It's like <laughs> the mountain. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, I mean, I guess the takeaway here is now we do have experts coming on our show to talk about this. And I really am looking forward. And I kind of wanted to just do this one, too, because I thought maybe it would get our wheels turning. And so I want to have some really good questions for them. Well, and I think, too, intimacy is connected to a lot of things that we've been talking about, like emotional safety, vulnerability, shame, guilt, codependency. I mean, all of these things, they're all related to intimacy in our personal relationship. Yeah, and we've mostly just talked about intimacy in a romantic setting, but we haven't really even talked about intimacy, like, within friendships yeah, or within family ships. Yeah. Um, Are you a kissing family or are you the hugging family? (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Mm-mm. We are not the kissing family, so that gives me the creeps. But intimacy, in in my, from my opinion, both from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint, is not something that just happens. I think it has to be something that you're very intentional about working toward for yourself. It's really hard to be intimate with a person when you still have your own work to do. Yeah, it can come naturally. Two people, intimacy right off the bat, like you hear about like the honeymoon phase, right? But I think what Casey's talking about is longevity in a relationship. You have to work at it. Thanks for listening. Follow, like, share. If you leave a review, we can uh, hit you with a hat. Back porch besties. I'm wearing one right now. If you leave a review on Apple or Spotify. You want them to post it in the comments or something? So post it in the comments and we will put you in for a drawing for a free app. Cool. Peace out, besties. Peace out. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.